I don't want to come back after a month and have hate mail. Welcome to episode 64 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Dade, and my co-host today is Les. Tonight, we're talking about what makes a good online community. But first, let's talk about what we're consuming. Um, so I am back. I have been away for a month. Um, I have missed being here. Um, but, I've missed chatting with you. Right. I know. I feel like it's been an eternity. So <laughs> I'm glad to be adding this back into my routine. Um, so I'm drinking some homemade cold brew. I kind of fell off the coffee wagon for a little bit. I, um, I don't know. I just, I started buying my coffee. There's a new cafe that opened up near me and I've been obsessed with their Spanish lattes. So I've basically just been going there and not making coffee at home. So that's fine and all, but I never canceled my trade coffee subscription. So, (laughs) I mean, I only get it like, I think every six weeks or every eight weeks. So it's not a lot, but I have a backlog of coffee. So I'm making cold brew at home. So today's coffee is from Irving Farm. It's a coffee roastery in upstate New York. Um, and they have a bunch of coffee shops in the city. So for you, you, you New Yorkers, um, you probably are familiar with them. Um, and it's really, really good. Uh, so, um, and I, like I said, I've been slowly getting back to regular activity after my surgery. I, you know, was laid up for about two weeks and then week three, it was like, wow, I can do stuff and then realized I can't. So, um, it's been a full month. Um, so I'm, I'm like at 75%. So because I've not been able to do physical things, I've been really obsessing over tabletop RPGs. Um, because I couldn't even play video games for a while because of the nature of my surgery, because sitting at a computer and extending my arms just really wasn't possible. Um, so I actually started playing weekly with a local queer Dungeons and Dragons group, which is amazing and phenomenal. Um, and I'm also working on a solo campaign, um, via this new to me, uh, game called Iron Sworn. It's actually completely free. If you just want to use the PDF version of it, it's a way to get that tabletop experience without having people around. Um, I'll put links in the show notes. So I've really just been about pen and paper gaming, which I've been enjoying a lot. It's nice to kind of go offline and disconnect. Um, uh, what else? I, I have two months until my grad school applications are due. So, I have kicked myself in the butt to start on that process again. Um, and yeah, also new field notes. Um, I couldn't help myself. I, <laughs> I said that when the national parks came out, um, and thought, all right, cool. This will be my yearly purchase of field notes because I try not to buy them. And then the fall ones came out and wow. Like it hits every button that I have besides neon, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like I love the fall. I love the warm colors. I'm, I'm really curious. I saw some posts online about how some people said that, um, the colors are a bit different than field notes, like website shows them as like, Mm. it's, it's really hard to tell the vibrancy of something online. Yeah. Um, But I just, I don't know. I love it. Living in New England, like leaves, like this is the time of year where I am super happy all the time. My birthday is this month. Like everything is just, the stars were aligned. So I bought field notes. Um, What do you think about them, Les? I like them. I I didn't want to. I was like, you know how I I feel about field notes. And I don't think I need to go on on that again. And I really didn't want to like them, especially after I really liked the the Parks edition. And I these just they're what field notes are to me, right. if that makes sense. It's right. like everything you could ever want in a field note, and they did it right. And that's that's it. That's what I think. I like them. I haven't bought any. I've been able to say no to it. So right. um I will probably break down and buy some because I really do like them. But then I've got, I look at my shelf and I'm reminded that I have, you know, 30 or 40 of them that I, I still have to tap into. And I haven't been going through pocket notebooks as fast as I used to because of, of the change in job. Um, and just the fact that I'm 
bullet journaling at work instead of using a pocket notebook. So I'm using a full size notebook instead of a pocket notebook, um, just for security reasons. It's a lot harder for someone to walk off with a full six by nine notebook rather than my right. pocket notebook. Right. So it just makes it a little easier to do that. So I'm not going through pocket notebooks like I used to. And I'm not, I'm also using a, it works better for at home as well to use a regular full size six by nine journal mm -hmm. than it is the pocket notebook. So like my pocket notebooks are like, I'm really using them when I'm out and about and I'm doing a lot of shopping lists in them and things that I need to remember. Or if I hear something at a on a podcast that I'm listening to, I'll make a quick note of it in my pocket notebook when I'm at a stoplight or something. Right. Um, but I'm not using them as intensively as I used to. And I go, I go back and forth on this too. Like once I get, you know, fully situated in my new job, which is funny, I, it'll be in December, it will have been a year. I was going to say, you've been there for a while. It, I just, there's something about like this kind of change, um, that just feels deeply unsettling to me. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know what it is. I love my new job. I love what I'm doing. I really, really enjoy my new coworkers, my new boss is great. It's like, it's a perfect location for someone like me. And it's really, really good work. You know, um, we're doing really, really great work, but also like, I always feel like it could go away. You know, it's one of those things. And that's my own anxiety, right? That's just, that's just an anxiety response. I don't think it's going anywhere, please. For the right, love of gosh. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, there's that. So, um, anyhow, um, I just finished up a Americano, um, Chris, uh, so we, we actually put our trade subscription on to like once a month or like every six weeks or something like that. So we're not getting trade very often, but we certainly drink about a pound of coffee a week between the two of us. Um, and so we've been supplementing trade with lo locally roasted stuff, but also like going into our local Whole Foods or like when Christy's in, in Boston, she'll go to Whole Foods or George Howell and buy a bag of coffee. So she um, picked up a bag of Sumatra for her office. As she does dark roast. I don't like dark roast. I, I prefer something that's a light or, or low medium roast. And it was supposedly a medium roast, but it's dark. It's, it, I mean, and I get it. Sumatra is really good as a dark roast, but it wasn't particularly tasty. It just doesn't fit the kind of flavor that I'm looking for in a daily drinking coffee. So I've been making espresso with it and gosh darn it, it's real good as espresso. So I've been doing Americanos with it and it just, it's really just smooth and nice as espresso. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been enjoying my coffee and I was at uh, my local stop and slop, um, stop and shop for everyone, not in my area. And they had Sarasa Grand refillable pens, which we were, I think we talked about a couple of episodes ago. There's a good discussion about refillable pens right now on RSVP and it was $7, which is more expensive than what I paid for it when I got mine on clearance, but online they're usually in the 10 to 12 dollar price range so seven bucks at stop and shop is a pretty good price for that refillable pen and um so i reviewed the clear journal from baron fig um a couple of well almost like what a month month and a half ago at this point and I've been using it f to plan some no brand notebook stuff for this fall and winter. Mm -hmm. And I'm really enjoying the larger size of it. There's just something about having that giant spread open on my desk. Yeah. And then also being able to quickly divide the page into quadrants that has been working really well for me. Just having that giant spread of paper is really, really nice. And I love <clears throat> that subtle baby blue shade of the uh, dot grid on it. It's really nice on the cream paper and just hitting that with some real stark black ink or nice dark pencil has been really nice. And I've been just like coming up with ideas and putting it on the page and I'm just really liking that journal. I'm not, I'm using it more bullet journal style than anything else. So I've, I've got, you know, collections and things like that. And, um, and then the front part I'm not using in the more traditional sort of 
way that they expect you to for the clear clear habit journal Mm -hmm. i'm using it just like i would for my for my month planner so like that one line is like okay uh cancel netflix cancel hulu or do this or you know it's like keeping track of the stuff that's happening for that month rather than i did i made uh kombucha this day or i bottled my mead on this day um instead it's more like bottle mead on Sunday. You know, it's, 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 I'm so I'm using it not as they necessarily intend, but rather as a straight up bullet journal. And it's been really good for that. So I, I really like that size and I might be switching into it when I going forward. Yeah. So I've, I haven't typed up a review just because of life circumstances, but Mm. I'm really enjoying it too. I actually started using it a couple days ago because I wanted to start it at the beginning of a month because of the way it is designed. Yeah. Like I didn't want to waste half a page of monthly tracking. Um, but I do like the, the form factor. It is so much better. Um, I just, I don't know, like not that, not that the original size of their journals are, is bad per se, but for the purposes that I use the clear journal for bigger is better. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel like there's more, like when you look at that spread, like you said, when you have that spread open, there's just so much more potential there. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, I don't know. It just mentally, it makes me feel better. I don't feel constrained with it, if that makes sense. No, totally. You know, it's so like for a while I was using um, like a big sketchbook open on my art desk. And I would just like anytime I had an idea, I would pop it into that big sketchbook. And the size of the sketchbook I'm realizing now was about the size of the clear journal when it's opened flat. Okay. It was like a spiral bound thing. So the spirals over at the left. And then as a, it, like, I would just like fill up a page. And then when I was done with it, I would tear it out and throw it away because it was just like ideas. And any good idea wouldn't end up going into one of my pocket notebooks or something where I would noodle on it some more, you know? Yeah. And kind of flesh out the ideas. So I, I'm, I'm really, really liking that size. And like I said, I just really like that dot grid and the color. I might be incorporating that color into some of my upcoming no brand notebooks like that pale blue because um i did get my mom gave me a color printer out of her old classroom uh one of the last times i was up visiting so i'm gonna be able to do some colored dots and colored lines and i'm gonna pick up some really nice uh cardstock for printing with laser and i think i'm gonna do some reproductions of some of my artwork on the covers but also, some of those ideas that I've had for like, this is what field notes should do. Well, I'm going to try some of those and we're going to see how they come out with a laser printer nice. if I can do it. Um, so we will see what happens with that. Well, I'm I might be doing some hands. Yeah. Um, what's the largest size notebook that you could make? Um, I could, the largest size I can make is five by seven uh, uh no i could do five by eight as the largest or five almost five and a half five and a quarter by eight um so i can i can i've done a bunch in the um arts and sciences size for people okay and i've also done a bunch in the midori notebook size yeah um, which I forget what size that is. I'm looking at mine, which has been untouched for quite a while. I should no. I'm I'm looking for someone to make notebooks that are the size of like the um, I guess the erasable podcast uh, zine that comes out every now and then. That's that's about five and a quarter by eight and a quarter. Um. I can't put my hands on mine right now, but I can measure them because I, I, I believe that's just like a regular piece of letter stock pressed in half. Yeah. No, we'll have to talk offline because I have an idea for something. Um, okay. But yeah. Cool. All right. So do you want to get to our main topic? So tonight's main topic is, um, you know, we're talking about what makes a good online community. Um, and what destroys a good online community. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this because I've been spending a lot of time online lately. And I'm a member of, I don't even know how many Facebook groups for all my different hobbies, for all my different interests. And, you know, it's, I've seen so many good groups go bad 
mm-hmm. um, or groups that have had to like pretty much disappear because of a few toxic people or toxic situations or there's just a lot that has been going on in my online bubble. And I figured it'd be a good opportunity to kind of talk about it. And, you know, since we are part of that online community, um, you know, what makes our group so great or what makes erasable or any other groups that we enjoy great and, and things we've seen that, that really kind of detract from maybe the initial purpose of a group or, um, you know, a lot of groups have rules, you know, like just, just basically an open discussion about that stuff. Yeah. Well, so one of the things that I think that is most important with any group or online forum is that the group starts out with clear forum guidelines. Any forum or any group that I've ever been involved with that doesn't have good rules, regulations, and guidelines, and even keeled moderators, has died a fiery death. Um, and the example like that I gave... I think I talked about it. Did I talk about it in one of the last episodes we you were involved with, or was it did was that just private discussion? I don't remember anymore. I don't know, but you told me about a group that pretty much had it was an, was it an art group or art journaling group or something? Uh, well, there's there's that as well. But like the most recent example that I can think of is this um, fermentation and homesteading group I was a member of. Oh boy. And yeah, homesteading is a whole other ball of wax because it it. Um, how am I going to say this? It attracts a whole group of people who are very independently minded and, um, many conspiracy theorists. People that Um, don't like to be tread on. Right. Don't, don't. Yeah. That's, I'm going to leave it there (laughs) because, um, and so, uh, what I found in many of those groups is that many folks have difficulty following any forum rules and regulations, Um, but especially get really bent out of shape when they're not evenly applied. So this particular forum that I was a member of, the rules were not evenly applied. Um, And it was very clear they weren't evenly applied. The people who created the group were not even killed themselves. They weren't authentically who they were on the forum versus uh, who they are in real life. And it caused a lot of problems for the forum and it ended up it it, like it just exploded overnight at one point um and then it disappeared because one of the members who felt that they were unfairly treated and i don't think they i think that this person in particular was not unfairly treated um because i know why they were at they were removed from the group um so, like, in the case of, like, homesteading and, and preservation, usually there's a rule that says, please don't post things that are found or known to be unsafe or are against the regulations for food preservation because you'll kill yourself and bad advice can kill other people. Um, and so this person in particular was posting how to reuse, um, re- like, recycled jars. And their lids, which anyone in the history of canning will will tell you that will kill you. That's a great way to um, create an anaerobic environment for botulism. Right. And if you want to die, go ahead and do that. Um, so this person was removed for the group for posting that information. That person l- lost it and started harassing the forum owners online. They lived in the same community as the forum owners tracked down the uh, female forum owner and was stalking her to the point they had to get police involvement. And um, they're now like, they also, this person went after their business, started harassing their business, posting things online about their business. So now they have a libel and other lawsuit against this person. And so that that's one of the things that I think is really important in any forum is clear guidelines that are followed in an even keeled manner. Like you can't just have a moderator that's going to go off on and, and do whatever they want. You know, you have to have moderators and admins who are going to follow those rules, no matter who does the rule breaking. And it's really hard because sometimes you have people who've been member of a forum for a long time and they're a valued member 
And all of a sudden they're breaking the rules left and right. And, you know, maybe something's going on in their life, but it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You have to like actually tell that person to stop what they're doing um, and give them the same warnings that you would give anyone else who's breaking the forum rules. Um, so that's, I think that's one of the things that you have to start at the very beginning of every forum. And then as things happen, you have to go back and adapt those rules. Like we've been talking about the fact for RSVP that one of the things that we want to do is kind of like our, our current rule is don't be a jerk, right? Like that's, that's our overarching theme is don't be, don't be a jerk, treat people with respect. And, and what does that mean? Um, so we've been actually talking about adding to that some like limitations in terms of sales posts, which I think is probably going to go into one of the things that I think can really ruin a good forum, which is just when, when a forum or a group gets overtaken by sales posts, it just really, um, it, it stifles discussion and I think good discussion is one of those things that really makes a forum worthwhile and helpful. And one of the things that I don't like about Facebook groups versus other forums. So when you set up a forum forum, it get you, you set it up with like various discussion topics, right? And then you also like, there's a specific place for sales and it's away from the rest of the discussion. And Facebook does a really terrible job at filtering those out, those like there's certain groups that when I go into them, all I see for 20, 30 posts are sales posts and I never click on them. So it's not the algorithm. It's just that that's what's going on in that group is nothing but sales posts. And I don't, that's not why I'm in a group, you know? Yeah. Like if I'm interested in sales, when I go to a forum, if I'm wanting to buy something, I'm going to go to the sales posts. I'm going to go to the sales part of the forum and I'm going to check that out. But when a Facebook group becomes nothing but sales posts, it ruins it, in my opinion. No, I, I agree with you. And I think this is a good segue into talking about that because I think that, um, you know, the biggest issue for me is just that, you know, you join a group because you're excited about something and then it's great for a while. And then a person, it's like a trickle down thing. Like mm. it starts slow where it's like, Oh, you know, I have this really cool thing I want to sell. So, you know, I'm offering it up and then another person sells something. And then all of a sudden I have to either leave the group or turn off notifications for the group because it is all sales posts. Yeah. And that in itself is frustrating enough, but then there's a whole other layer of personalities that add to groups that have a lot of sales. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, um, oddly enough, one of the communities I'm a part of that actually does it right and does it really good and, and has clear set rules is actually a Tamagotchi group. Mm. <laughs> so, um, I, for those that don't know, I collect, um, vintage and current Tamagotchis and there are several groups out there. And what happened was for a while, it was just Tamagotchi collectors, right? And it started turning into a lot of sales posts. So they created another group called Tamagotchi Buy Trade Sell. And so what will happen is now whenever someone posts a sale post in the collectors group, mods deal with it. And then they hold on a second. Are you coming inside, Gina? No. Well, can you stop? I told her what I was doing. <laughs> okay. Write that time down. <laughs> so in my Tamagotchi groups, they, they split apart um, the, you know, an offshoot group to just trade, buy and sell. So whenever a yeah. post comes up in the collectors group, it automatically gets moderated. The moderator contacts the original poster, directs them to the new group. And then in that buy and sell group, that is further moderated to the point where you cannot private message people about mm. the item you have to talk about negotiations and price in the thread all um, right which i think is important because i don't know how many times um i personally have experienced it um where you message somebody and everyone else messages them and then they're overwhelmed and then they can lose track of who was first and yep. the shit goes down yeah and and uh 
people get really angry and really upset when things go bad in sales because you know obviously if you're if you're particularly if you're collecting something or you're really wanting something or maybe it's your birthday gift to yourself you know like you get you get invested in oh i'm going to get this thing and then all of a sudden they're like oh no sorry you're not it because i had 20 other people messaging me at the same time and i either didn't or couldn't look at the timestamps on those because right. let's face it, it's particularly when you're dealing with Facebook sales or Facebook marketplace, right. it's it's a nightmare to like look oh, at yeah. um, the timestamps on things. Although I will say in my attempts of selling things using Facebook marketplace, if you're not using Facebook marketplace, um, I haven't had that much of a problem and I've, I've sold some things where I've had hundreds of people contacting me Yeah, and it wasn't that hard for me to look at the actual timestamps and pick the first one. Um, and then when I've used Facebook marketplace and I think that's possibly a really good way around this for some people who are selling online or via the, the, uh, various stationary groups is to use Facebook marketplace because it makes it easier to manage your sales posts and it's not that hard. It's really easy to use. Um, and I don't know if it's actually open to everyone using it, but I'm, I've got my car for sale on Facebook marketplace and it's made it very easy for me to both contact the potential buyers, um, but also tell them to pound sand because some of them are just real aggro about it. Selling a car via marketplace is a whole new experience for me. It's it's a little different than uh, Craigslist, um, but yeah. Anyway, um, it it can it can be really helpful though because I've sold a few other things via Facebook Marketplace. I've given things away free on Facebook Marketplace, and it really does help you manage that sale because it takes the messages and puts it in a whole separate marketplace section in your messages and it keeps everything aligned by the time when it's received so that you're replying to people in the order that you receive the messages. Um, so I, I think that's like having a separate buy sell group, but also having people use the buy sell feature and use marketplace to do it. Um, I, I think that's something that maybe we want to explore for RSVP is that sales can be announced but they have to be handled through marketplace or some uh, through somewhere outside of the group. I don't know. Um, but that's one of the things that I don't want to see happen to RSVP is have it inundated with sales and market. And I'm in search of posts. Like I, I don't, I don't like that as, as a group. What I really like about RSVP is that we have such wonderful conversations. And despite the diversity of voices, everyone's respectful generally towards one another. And there are lots of topics like people will post like, you know, one of my favorite topics, refillable pens. We're just, we just recently had an RSVP post go up about refillable pens and people asking questions about like, you know, what do you think of this pen? And what do you think of that pen? And then someone's like, I like the rubber grip. And someone else is like, yeah, rubber grips aren't for me. But, you know, instead of like it erupting into a flame war, which I've seen in other groups, like people be real awful to one another. Um, it's just like people are saying, you know, I, I don't like rubber grips or I like a rubber grip. I like how it's squishy and sticky. You know what I mean? Like it's just such a everyone's so respectful and kind towards one another that I really like. And I think like when it, going back to what you were saying, the idea that when you start introducing those sale, sales posts, once we involve money in a group, it really changes the dynamics. Once people start, like, you got the haves and the have-nots and people who don't have um, want and people who do have hold it over the people who don't have. And it's a really, um, I think it can be a really toxic dynamic. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, it just... I don't know. <clears throat> For me, uh, and this, I guess, is part of it, too, is um, when other things like 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 you had just said, our group, our RSVP 
RSVP group is very good at conversation. That is exactly what I want from a Facebook group. Um, you know, where we can have a 20 or 30 comment thread about, you know, refillable pens or notebooks or whatever. Um, but also what's frustrating, um, is when one voice or one thing takes over a group. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think, you know, the other thing too, that, that frustrates me about some Facebook groups are when one voice becomes a little bit too loud, um, you know, where, where someone may be posting something, um, that really at its core is, um, you know, it's, it's essentially content marketing, but it's done under the guise of like, this is just a regular interaction post, or this is just a regular, you know, Check out the things I got posts kind right, of thing. Right. Like it almost like, let me give an example. So like if you posted your no brand notebooks, <clears throat> you know, like these, these notebooks are really awesome. I love using them. And then people are like, Oh, where'd you get them? And then you post a link to like, here's how you get my notebooks. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It absolutely. just, it feels, it feels wrong on a couple fronts. Um, but it turns a group into a group that is not the original group. And that for me, you know, mm -hmm. I've, I've withdrawn myself from, from some groups because it's just too much. Like I'm not interested in that thing. And Facebook does not have a good way to filter stuff out. That's the other yeah. issue. Again, we circle back to Facebook having issues with community management. Um, you know, I, I feel like even forums, I, I mean, it's been a decade since I've run an online forum, but mm. I feel like even a decade ago, I was able to do better filtering than today. Oh, yeah. Facebook. Well, I think that forums were built around the idea of filtering and bringing in the information that you want right. versus Facebook, which is just we're going to dump all the information and then we're going to use our algorithms to target you to market to, right. which is an entirely different kind of thought process than forums. Like to me, forums are kind of pure in their intent. They're sort of like they're from the olden days of the Internet, back in the day of the Internet. Um, <laughs> They're from a time where the internet was looked at as a place where you could disperse information and it was going to be a way to educate yourself and disperse information and fulfill that sort of interaction in terms of educational vibe versus Facebook, which is all about collecting your data and turning it into sales or money in some way and you know what's the old saying about if it's if it's free you're the product um and really in terms of facebook we are the product you know and facebook is a big technological experience and i'm getting kind of on a tangent here but i think you're going with me um it's a big technological experience where experiment not experience it is an experience as well but um so it's this experiment where they're seeing what kind of information can they pull from us how can they pull it from us and how can they do that more easily and then more easily translate that information into data that they can sell and we're just willingly giving it to them um and you know you install the app on your phone how many of us have actually looked at the agreement information for facebook about what they can and can't collect from our phone from our um computer because i don't know if anyone has actually looked at all of the different ways that facebook and google and yahoo and all of the other things that we use on a regular basis collect from us and if you use mozilla and here's a plug for one of my favorite browsers uh firefox or mozilla's firefox uh you can actually block facebook and google's ability to track you which does change your experience um in using those products you'll find that um the ads on facebook will be less um targeted they won't be as accurate mm -hmm. um and it's it's interesting because i was talking to lenore about this last week about the fact that you know facebook marketplace it keeps showing me these all of these really really nice cast iron wood stoves which i desperately want <laughs> you know <laughs> I like i i really like i'm in this phase of my life right now where like i really want to burn everything to the ground and sure. buy a piece of like you know five, six acres of land away from people out in the woods where I can just farm it 
<laughs> and I live in a tiny house by myself and maybe with Christy. Um, I might take her and the dogs with me, but like basically away from human beings. And one of the things that is part of that fantasy for me is a cast iron stove. So essentially so, you want your life to be like Stardew Valley, which is a video game. I haven't played it, but sure. Um, <laughs> but like, so I've been, as I look at like tiny house things or not real tiny house, but small homes and, and how do you manage a small home and some of this homesteading stuff. Facebook is really targeting those ads to me and all of these really, really cheap cast iron stove, wood stoves keep popping up on my marketplace and they're close and they're cheap. And it's like, God, you're taunting me. Why are you taunting me, Facebook? Um, but it's because they are tracking my every move and they're seeing that I'm interested in homesteading. They're able to see that or access the information of the books that I'm checking out from the library. If you use an app like um, Libby, you've essentially accepted that Facebook has access to that information. So if I am using um, my a different browser other than Mozilla, then they're tracking all of that. Um, and so they're better able to track those ads to me. Yeah, no. And sometimes like Facebook, like... <sighs> So I've been applying to grad school. Mm -hmm. I have not at all posted about it on Facebook. I have not used Facebook to look at that. And um, I've only been applying to one grad school. Yeah. And lo and behold, the other day I went onto the, the school's website to download some forms and stuff. Not kidding. Like the next day, my Facebook feed, actually they advertised Leslie, which was funny. Um, <laughs> but like, all these ads now are about social work schools. Yeah. So it's like, it makes you think, you know, and I have actually, I use Chrome, which I need mm -hmm. to get away from because it's such a bloated browser. Yeah. Um, But there is a really cool add on for Chrome that I used actually um, about a year ago. I was struggling with some stuff and I didn't want to see anything that had to do with suicide. Right. I was just in a super triggery kind of place and it, it's an add-on that allows you to type in keywords and Facebook will remove all those posts yeah. that mention suicide. So whether it's the text of the post, the link of the post, and that has been really useful, but Chrome is just this giant clunky thing that like, it just, it takes forever. Like to open a browser window for me takes too long, <laughs> but, but yeah, um, definitely, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of targeting and I want to try the Mozilla, you know, Firefox because I am really tired of experiencing Facebook and the way I experience it to the point where, um, I really don't, I, 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 I don't browse it like I used to, like I used to mm -hmm. just open up Facebook and just go to town. Now it's more like, okay, let me go to Erasable specifically. Let me go to RSVP specifically. I don't really scroll through my feed anymore because it's, it's garbage. <laughs> and then on yeah. top of that, Facebook, I don't know what their deal is, but lately on my phone, it's doing that thing where it shows you a post from like a week ago. Like mm. no one's commented on it. It's not like it's someone, you know, resurrected a dead post or anything. It's just, it's being wonky and I'm getting frustrated with it. And so this is all the more reason to find another platform to engage people on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just... They really collect a lot of information. It's really frustrating. There are, um, I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts about how much information, sort of loosely podcasts about how much information Facebook collects from you. Um, one of them is, obviously, it's a little biased because it's put out by, or I should say funded by Mozilla. It's um, IRL. Um, okay. And it kind of explores what online life is like and they explore privacy a lot so that's that's a really good one and also um what was it called it, they did the bored and brilliant um note to self that that's an old one that has kind of gone by the wayside now they don't um do new shows mm -hmm. and i'm thinking let's see i gotta open up my podcast um thing and her new podcast is called what? While you're doing that, something that just popped into my head. 
Okay. Mm. Did you find it? Yeah, it's zigzag. Ah. So zigzag with Manush Zamarudi is a really, really good podcast. And their most recent season is about online privacy. So, um, and the last episode or last few episodes, um, of IRL have been about online privacy. And that's something that they've tapped into in previous seasons as well. Really great kind of information about what all of these places collect on you. And it's not just like I'm, I'm painting Facebook as kind of the bad guy here, but it's not just Facebook. No. Anytime a, a service online is free or an app is free, then you're the product. Like you are, you like they're looking for your information so they can resell it. And you agree to that. And because you want that free product. Right. Um, but anyway, what, what uh, occurred to you as I was searching? Um, I've been saying this in my mind and it's something I want to try to do because it's a little bit more, you know, we have that spectrum chat, which <laughs> admittedly mm -hmm. I have never used. Um, but discord, uh, because I was at a commission for so long and I was laid up for two weeks, like in bed pretty much. Um, <clears throat> I have a discord server for my world of Warcraft guild and I've, only used to use discord for gaming like because it's mm. a way to do voice chat some free you know yeah but i joined a bunch of discord channels that are about other things that i enjoy and i'm realizing the value it brings to a community because it is a way to set it up like a forum but still in a facebook feel so like yeah you know you set up you know you can set up a, a discord chat section for buying and selling and trading right you can have a general chat you can have you know all different kinds of things and i just i don't know i'll set it up just for for my own self since i know how to use it so much we actually have discord <clears throat> for our svp i i i remember doing it i can't find it um i it's uh, I will, uh, sorry, I just opened it up. That was kind of a bad idea while we're doing this because <laughs> it just, okay. How do I take get... discord takes a minute? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, cause I also changed, um, my username for discord. So I'm not using the same account. So maybe that's why I couldn't find it. Okay. Um, let me see if I can, I will, I will get you that information, but we definitely, yeah, there is an RSVP. It's not. It's under mine, under less. Okay. Um. We'll we'll talk about that offline. Yeah. But if okay. if you want to, I'll get it set up if you give me permissions to, and just to see like absolutely where it goes. because someone's got to come out with some software that allows you to record from Discord like we're doing now, so we can get rid mm -hmm. of Skype because Discord yeah. is so much better. Like, yeah, so much better. And I mean, I know that there's a way to do it. It's just it's a giant pain in the butt. Right. right. Um, just because like, I envision us having a show where like, we could interact with our listeners. Yeah, almost like a live show mm -hmm. every now and then. So anyhow, I digress a lot. Uh -huh. <clears throat> so, you know, online communities, uh, you know, we talked about how, you know, what we like in good communities, you know, what brings us to communities and like, and what makes a community really kind of bad, um, you know, and, and I would like to say that everyone's definition of what's annoying, frustrating, bad, toxic is so different. That's such a subjective thing. But I think we can all universally agree that anything that detracts from the original purpose of a group is inherently not cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, because some people enjoy, like, there was a period of time, even for myself, when I had money and time. And, you know, I enjoyed sales posts, because it was like, anytime something popped up, I was like, Oh, man, like, is it the thing I really want? You know, <clears throat> and, you know, that's maybe, maybe that's something to speak on too. our needs change and our interests change. So, <clears throat> you know, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going yeah. with that. But like, but yeah, I think, I think circling back to the, the, the beginning of how you said that communities need to have a very clear cut, um, set of rules. You know, I thought a lot about that whole don't be a jerk kind of mm -hmm. rule we have. Yeah. <clears throat> and that, you, you know, that is a good rule, but everyone's idea of what's being a jerk is so different that I, right. 
I, I really think you're right. We need to kind of spell that out a little bit better. Mm. I mean, there are some general ideas like don't, you know, harass people, don't insult people. But mm-hmm. I think we need to get a little bit more nuanced when it comes to describing what that looks like, because I would never want to have a situation where something happens in the group and we enforce a rule that's not clearly spelled out. And then we have to deal with someone who harasses us. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's a real possibility, too, because people get really angry when things are not right or even, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yes, I actually have a person who still occasionally will message me on Instagram because I blocked them on Facebook mm. um, because they have been removed from another stationary group that I moderate. And I think they've been removed from RSVP, too. I'm not going to say names. That's not important. But this person still tries to reach out to me um, and other people too. And it's just not okay. Like no means no. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and there's reasons for it and I can't, you know, it just, it's just inappropriate. Um, I know I have an online presence, you know, I have a blog and a a podcast and I don't mind rando people messaging me. I look forward Mm -hmm. to that. But when I say, please don't interact with me anymore. And that continues to happen. That's when it falls into a different category. Um, you know, and that was a clear cut example of maybe the group could have had better, not RCP, but maybe the group could have had better spelled out rules, um, mm-hmm. you know, that would have made that individual not feel like they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Um, so no, I think, you know, and, and it doesn't even have to like, I, I want to kind of expand on that too. Not just rules about treating people poorly. I think, um, you know, rules that are very like things that, that have nothing to do with emotion, like, um, sales posts, um, you know, limiting them in some way, or the biggest thing too, which you had brought up less was, um, getting people to do something that that's not right. Like PayPal friends and family. Yeah. Um, that is a huge risk. Um, really, really huge risk. I mean, particularly like when you're looking at buying, collectibles like fountain pens or like some of the collectible volumes editions like if you're selling a box of 211s what are those even going for now i haven't seen one on the market in a long time but a lot you know if you're looking at spending three hundred dollars or four hundred dollars or even a hundred dollars that's a big risk and if they're insisting that you pay friends and family that risk all goes on you the reason PayPal has friends and family is if there's someone that you know, that you trust, and it's not meant for buying and no. selling goods. You have no recourse. You have no recourse down. at all. And, you know, if if you do that and you turn around and you ask Facebook to, to cover you, they're going to be like, mm, too bad, tough luck. Um, and oftentimes I, I've, I've actually rejected friends and family um, things that people have given to me right. like when they purchased purchase some of my stuff on facebook i generally insist that people don't use friends and family right. because when i am selling something i am adding that additional so paypal charges depending on what you are selling and how much it is a different amount and that should be rolled into your shipping and handling charges that you right. are billing people for. And so if you're not doing that, then that's your problem as a seller. And that is the risk that you are taking. Um, or that's your payment. That is your payment as a seller of things using these tools. If you don't want to pay for the PayPal friends and family, then don't sell it. Exactly. Cause that's what I do when I sell something <clears throat> and I put a price, mm-hmm. I actually think about Everything, you know, cause, cause lately I've been selling some Tamagotchis and like what happens is people buy more if you say shipping is free, mm-hmm. but it's really not free. I'm folding it. No, into you the roll cost. it into the, into the cost, into so, what you're charging for that person. Right. So if I sell a Tamagotchi, you know, for $60, it may only be worth 50, but I bump it up to 60 to deal with my shipping and handling. And then the person sees free shipping. They're going to want to spend the $60 anyway. Right. Um, that's just smart business. So it's, it's, it's really a no brainer because there was, um, to, to illustrate the risk of friends and family, um, there's been a lot of Facebook shenanigans going on around here. 
um, a new casino opened near me and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like music acts. So what'll happen is it almost happened to Gina actually until I was like, absolutely not. She wanted to get tickets for like a concert and um, someone posted, I have two tickets available. You know, I can't go tonight, you know, last minute, you know, they're, they're $40 each. And these were like hundred dollar tickets Yeah, each. So Gina like messaged them and they were talking very fast and they wanted to do it via friends and family. Nope. And she messaged me like, do you want to go to the concert? And I was like, wait a minute, where are you getting these tickets? She's told me she would have done it. She didn't know any better. Yeah. But then the next day there were so many posts and this person was just getting people for 40 to $80. So it's, it's a, it's a small enough amount of money that like, most people just are like, man, I got screwed or, or, you know, they don't pursue it or, but it it's, it's so, so simple because what'll happen is, you know, people send, people sent screenshots, you know, they sent them the money and then the person pretends like I didn't get the money yet. I don't know where it is. And then they block them and disappear. Yep. Yep. You know, and they, they steal other people's profiles. So this person my wife was interacting with actually stole the profile of a local woman, like, you know, her picture, her information. Yep. So when you click on it, it looks like, oh, they live in the next town over, like, and they have a family. They must be legit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, like, it just don't do it. So I think that I really want to add that because I've seen that come up, not in our group, but um, in another group that I'm a part of, people that urge you to do friends and family. And I don't think... I would say 75 to 85% of the time, actually, no, let's be even better. 90% of the time, the person is not trying to scam you. Yeah. They just want to save themselves money. Yeah. But you and cannot risk that. The thing the thing that really gets me about a lot of it is you're talking about maybe 3 to $10, depending on the item that you're selling. So it right. seems kind of ridiculous to me. Like if I'm selling a $50 item and I'm going – or th- we'll go $30. i am selling a $30 item, right? And if, if you pay friends and family, I'm going to give it to you for $30. But if you don't pay for friends and family, I'm going to add another $3. Seriously? Three bucks? Right. I, um, right. is, is $3 worth your peace of mind exactly. and the potential safety that you get if they decide to run off with your, with your product or, um, it gets lost in the mail because sometimes like some, a lot of people won't insure something for over the $50. Say you're buying, um, uh, and I'll use this example of the pen that I sold. I was just going to say, talk about I, your pen. So yeah. I mean, it's a perfect example. So I sold a pen for a hundred dollars. Or that's what that's was the expected profit for me was a hundred dollars. Not even that's not the profit. The profit was only like twenty bucks for me because I got it on Kickstarter. Um, so I was selling the pen for a hundred bucks, and that was what I wanted to get at that moment. So I added another ten dollars to cover the postage and the shipping and handling, including the PayPal fees. And technically speaking, I, I underestimated because then the PayPal fees were about thirteen dollars, um, or the PayPal fees and shipping was ended up being about thirteen dollars. But I'm really glad. First off, that wasn't friends and family because I knew so knew, I didn't know the person, and it could have been th- friends and family. Um, and then I insured for the extra fifty sixty dollars from uh, the sale. Uh, and had that on an invoice so that when the post office did lose it, and this is another thing that's a problem with friends and family is that friends and family doesn't generate an invoice. So if you are spending over $50 on something, you need that invoice to deal with the USPS and get your money back. Um, and if, you know, it, it is a, it's a bit of a nightmare to try and deal with that. It took, it, the USPS was pretty good about it. Once it was like discovered that it was actually lost in the mail, it took a couple of weeks. I needed to get an email from the person saying like, I never got my product. And I had to have an investigator actually look into the tracking from the satellite, the satellite tracking of the item and see, oh, no, that was actually delivered in your city, not the city it was intended to go to. Um, and so... The whole thing was a nightmare, but eventually the person who bought the item got their money back and I'm out the pen and they're out the pen. And it was really a bummer for both of us because it was a gorgeous pen and I was really happy it was going to go to someone that was going to enjoy it. But 
if I hadn't done the invoiced sale, I would not have had the invoice to then argue with the USPS that this is the 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 amount that that item was worth. This is the amount that the person paid for it, um, and you owe me money. The um, USPS would have like told me to piss off, and so. I'm glad I didn't do friends and family for that, despite the fact that I knew the person because I needed that invoice. So that's something else to think about when people are demanding that you do friends and family over a regular PayPal purchase is that you need some of that information, even if you're not going to go through Facebook, uh, through PayPal to mediate the issue. Right. No, definitely. I, I agree. Um, because even thinking I bought a pen off of you, I, I paid 60 bucks, but like thinking back, like I, I think I did friends and family, but like thinking yeah. back, if that pen was lost, um, I know you well enough to be like, you know what? It's my fault. I did friends and family. Like, don't worry about it. Like, fuck me. I got to delete that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, forget about it, you know, but, but when you're dealing with someone who, you know, just on the internet, it's a little different. And like, I, you make a good point. Cause it's something I never really thought of. Um, you know, I think if I were to ever buy something from you again, I almost want to do friends and family because I, I don't, you know, I don't want that risk. Cause you're, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. You're, you're, I remember when you were going through that and it was, it was so maddening just because it, yeah. it was delivered to the same town you live in, which how does that even happen? Uh, There are all kinds of other, like, what they explained was because it was cold out, a label might have lifted up off Uh, of someone else's or someone improper, like, it could have been bundled together with someone else's stuff. And honestly, the person who received it, they definitely did a wrong thing because all they needed to do was pop it back into the mail. Right. Um, And then it would have just come back to me or be delivered. They probably opened it and were like, nice pen, I'll take it. Or yeah, illegal. and it's, so it's probably been up, and it had an invoice in it because that's right. another thing that I always do when I'm selling something. Um, is I inc- I print off that invoice. First off, I have to pay taxes on these things because I do enough online sales that right. the government tracks me. Um, so I I anytime I do this, I print off a copy of the invoice. I keep it in a fo- folder on my desk. Usually, I write a nice little note to the person on that invoice, either the back or the bottom end of it, and then I pop that in the envelope right? and send it off. Um, so th- they, they had to know that it didn't it belong to them. them. It exactly. wasn't for them, and it would have been really easy for them if it was bundled together with a rubber band or whatever to pop that back in the mail um, or contact me because my phone number is usually on those invoices. Right. Like not that um, I'm going to answer, but you can leave a message. And it's, it's so amazing how people just assume that they're not going to do that. Uh, It's such a bizarre story, but real quick, like when I was living in Jersey, I came home one day and I had this huge, heavy package on my porch Mm. and I was like, what did Gina order? Like it, I couldn't even lift it by myself. Turns out it was a sink, like a, like a, a big, like farm style sink. Like, Ooh, nice. you know. <laughs> and I look at it and it belonged to like the house, like 10 houses down from me. I don't even know how they messed that up. Um, so I took a walk down there and I was like, Hey, can you come get your sink? And they were so grateful because they had spent over a thousand dollars on this sink. Oh my God why they wouldn't have the package signed for it just was it was such a perplexing situation i guess they figure who's going to steal a sink like right but but yeah like and they were so grateful that they like wanted to give me money and like and that's a really sad state the fact that us as humans assume that if your thing is delivered to the wrong person it's just as good as stolen or lost yeah um you know i always try to like you know, I'm the person that one time there was an ATM card that someone left in the ATM machine and hadn't mm-hmm. eaten, eaten it yet. So I took it. I looked up the person on Facebook and messaged them because it was a business card. It wasn't just like a personal ATM card. Yeah. And I found the woman and she insisted that I take $20. And I said, no, it just I could imagine what would have happened if you lost this and someone used it, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Like 
like I don't I don't get the mentality of people that just are like, oh, cool, a package that hasn't doesn't have my name on it. I'm just going to take this thing. I wouldn't even open it. I wouldn't even open it. Right. I would open it only if there was no identifying information on the outside. Like, say the label did like peel off or it was questionable. Well, have Um, I told you um, I had God, this was years and years and years ago. I ordered a bunch of fountain pen ink and some notebooks and stuff from Goulet pens. Mm-hmm. And it it said it was delivered, and it really wasn't. Um, so I contacted Goulet, and they sent me a whole new package. Um, and it was insured, so you know they they got their money. And um, and then like a month later, it turned up in the local Walgreens. They had they had this package that had no label on it. So the I guess the post office just delivered it to Walgreens. Okay. So when when they opened it to stock it, they it had an invoice in it, and they it had my phone number. So the guy from Walgreens was like, "Hey, uh, I have your package here. It ended up in our <laughs> store somehow. Apparently, it's been sitting in the back, uh, waiting to be stocked for a month." <laughs> and he's so like, "Do you want to come and pick it up?" I was like, "Sure. I don't know what package it is because it, it didn't even occur to me." And he's right. like, "Oh, it's from Goulet Pants." I was like. Holy crap, that was a month ago. Right. Um, so I went and got it, and then I contacted Goulet. I was like, what do you want me to do? And they were like, oh, just keep it. It's not like, you know, we're insured. It's not right. a big deal. Right. Um, and great customer service on their part, right? Like, um, But, yeah, it was like one of those bizarre things that, like, that's what you expect to happen, you right. know? Like, y- y- someone opens it up and realizes, oh, this this is not mine, and there's an invoice. Oh, look, there's a phone number, or there's an address. They literally could have sent someone from Walgreens down and knock on the door. Right. If my phone right. number wasn't there. Right. Um, but yeah, it was like, that, that's what you expect to happen when your package is delivered somewhere um, yeah. accidentally. Anyway, that's a, that's a tangent. We totally were tangential here. Um, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to this. I think, you know, we've talked quite a bit about this. It's been a hot minute. Um, it has. It's good to wrap this up, uh, you know. It has. Um, so I did put into the show notes a link to the Discord server. I'm not sure. Cool. Um, and I don't know if that's going to let you give you the access that you need, but, um, no, I don't have anything else to add really. Um, just like, I guess maybe my final thought on this is be mindful when you're in groups that you're, you're not in a bubble. Um, you know, what you post could affect other people. Mm. Um, and, even though I've been in groups where I completely disagree with other people, um, I still value their opinion. I guess just be a good human. I guess we circle back to don't be a jerk. Um, <laughs> but, but like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I just really think that, that um, I guess be less selfish. That's the mindset that I have when I post in groups. Cause sometimes, especially in my Tamagotchi groups, because I have a lot of Tamagotchis. I should post how many like pictures <laughs> of my collection. I have no shame. Um, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, you get those humble brag posts where like, yep. oh, look at what I got. In fact, we get those in the stationary groups a lot too. Yeah, we but, do. Um, you know, times when I really need money, sometimes I'm like, oh, like I'll sell a bunch of these things. And I, you know, like, I don't want to post too much. I, I don't want to like annoy people. I don't want to, you know, I kind of just try to keep it to like one sale a week and you know like just just little things like that go a long way because for all the people like myself and less that talk about how those things frustrate us there's 10 times more people that won't say anything and they'll just disappear and that's how Mm -hmm. communities lose good people absolutely Um, you know i've had people private message me about rsvp saying i'm really glad to be here because i don't have to deal with that yeah and that's what I want to continue to foster. So mm-hmm. those are my final thoughts. Mine as well. Good. I'm glad we're in agreement here. <laughs> and I don't want to speak for Lenore, but I'm sure Lenore would pretty much agree. I agree. Um, all right. So let's wrap, wrap her up. Um, so I really want to thank everyone as usual, um, for listening to us, for interacting with us, for interacting with the community. Um, y'all are super friendly and nice and you make me want to open up Facebook on a daily basis sometimes. Um, you know, I like that our community isn't too gigantic. I like that it's a bit intimate, but I also would like if you would share our group with people, if you think they'd be interested in it. Um, I, I think that, you know, 
I would really enjoy hearing, you know, more and more people talk about stationery in the way that we do in our RSVP. So if you like a certain post or you like a certain episode of the podcast, feel free to share that. Um, also free, feel free to give us a review on your favorite podcast uh, platform. Um, you don't have to give us five stars. We're not asking for that. We're asking for honest opinions because how are you going to get any better if you don't get honest opinions? Um, True. You know, so just, just let the world know why you love us. Um, so you can find me Dade at weeklypencil.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the weekly pencil. Les, what about you? You can find me at comfortableshoesstudio.com, fermentstuff.com, Facebook at Comfortable Shoes Studio, Instagram, Twitter, Spectrum Chat at Original LC Harper. Cool. And as always, you can find the podcast on rsvpstationarypodcast.com. And there will be a link to the Spectrum chat and perhaps the Discord channel if I sort that out. If not, it will be coming soon. Uh, But thanks again for listening and until next time.